Hello, welcome to episode four of the Business Support Podcast from Skipton Bid and Rumbles Radio. I'm Stuart Clarkson. And as businesses start to open up again or adapt to a post-pandemic world, we've got a series of experts on hand to answer your questions and provide some help and advice across a range of topics. Already in the series, we've discussed stress and well-being in the workplace. We've looked at HR issues, financial support available for businesses, and still to come, we'll look at business reinvention and also managing your finances. This time, though, we're talking about tourism, hospitality, leisure and marketing and uh, let me introduce you to our panel and we'll uh, find out a bit about who they are and what they do. First, uh, Mark Cunliffe-Lister is with us from the Swinton Estate in North Yorkshire. Uh, Mark, tell us about your estate. Hi, so uh, we're Swinton Estates over near Massam, the edge of the Yorkshire Dales. Uh, We have a luxury hotel, a spa and a glamping site and then the estate is a mixed farming estate so it's up into the uplands, forestry and sporting as well cover quite a wide area. And uh, Sebastian Fatterini is with us from Skipton Castle. I think a lot of people will know what Skipton Castle is already, but you've been there a long time. I think we've been here over 900 years. And uh, I think you take your name after our founding um, chap, Rob, Robert de Romney. So yes. You should know us very well. I manage the castle, which is a, a visitor attraction with normally about 100,000 visitors a year who come and explore this fully roofed medieval castle. Um, we also own Skipton Woods, which is 36 acres of ancient woodland, which we lease the Woodland Trust. And more recently, we've built a, a large public car park in the centre of Skipton, which can hold 200 cars and up to four coaches. James Staveley is with us. Uh, James is group chairman of Lightwater Holdings. Tell us about Lightwater Holdings and what you own. Hi. Um, well, Lightwater Holdings is a diverse group uh, of various trading businesses, primarily focused on construction and house building. However, we also have substantial leisure interests, including uh, Lightwater Valley, uh, home of the world's longest roller coaster. But I'm here today really to talk about two of our smaller interests, uh, the Stavely Arms, which is uh, best thought of as a gastro country pub, and also uh, the Old Coach House, uh, which is a uh, best thought of as a boutique B&B. Excellent. And Liz Smales is with us as well from Skipton Business Improvement District. Uh, she's a tourism consultant and runs her own canal holiday firm as well. Hi, Liz. Hi, uh, yes. So um, the travel bug is definitely with me and has been all the time. I, I left the UK when I was 18, actually. I spent probably 17 years as a concert tour manager, traveling the world, going to some places that I called lost luggage destinations, Turkmenistan being one of them. Um, and then uh, was, I landed in Asia and spent then the next 17 years there as well, working in hospitality, Thailand, Cambodia, Maldives, Hong Kong, Myanmar was the last one. Um, came back to be closer to family. And here I am in sunny Skipton. I was a general manager of a boutique hotel in the Yorkshire Dales until March last year. And you can imagine how that had changed. And I then joined uh, Skipton Bid, uh, started consulting for Welcome to Yorkshire. And we have our own narrowboat company that we hire so we hire out narrowboats here in uh, Yorkshire and Warwickshire also. Wow Um, right so things are starting to get back to normal over the next uh, month or so I know uh, for you Mark your estate has now opened for some of the outdoor stuff this week but then you've got a phased reopening for the rest of it so how are the plans going for that? So yeah so uh, it's always been a bit stop and start isn't it for all these different lockdowns so 
each time you think we're getting somewhere, then suddenly another order comes. So, yeah, so as we're going step by step this time, hopefully they're all positive steps and we're getting towards it. So, as you say, we've opened up the grounds, we're doing takeaway food. That's both at Swinton Park and up at Bivouac. And we've got um, 12th of April when we've got the outside dining starting. We're going to have people coming and staying in our cottages and our yurts uh, up at Bivouac and tree lodges. And the 17th of May, we've got the hotel and the restaurants all opening. And eventually come 21st of June, hopefully we'll have weddings and all the big events going on as well. So it's sort of each month at a time. And uh, I mean, the, the business on the books is looking great. So if it all comes through, then that's great. But uh, let's hope these steps all happen as they're supposed to. I was going to say there is quite a lot of excitement, isn't there, about people being able to get away and do things again. So people are booking in the hope that they will actually be able to do it later in the year. Yeah. And also, obviously, we've got all the bookings sort of from last year that didn't happen so that they've been able to push forward to, to this year. So clearly we're going to, we're expecting to be very, very busy. Let's, let's hope it works out that way. And Sebastian, your business is more a kind of day trip, turn up on the day kind of place. So advanced bookings are not necessarily as big a, a bigger thing for you. Well, we do, we do all our bookings online now. So, you know, we, we can see them, you know, when they come in, but we are not allowed to open until the 17th of May. So, I mean, we could open tomorrow physically, I'm ready. Um, we've had so many opening and closings, just like um, you just heard, that we're sort of quite used to it now. So we, if someone said we could open tomorrow, we'd have it all open. But um, my worry is that everyone's going to think we're open, but we're not, because we can only open because we've got lots of interior space. The castle's got you know, lots of rooms. They're very well ventilated. Last year we opened, you know, we had restricted numbers, Everyone felt very safe. Um, it worked extremely well. In fact, in August, we were fully booked. So I'm anticipating that's going to happen again this year. But we'll be fully booked because of restricted numbers. So school holidays, I would advise people if they want to get into a particular attraction that they book now because um, that availability, once it's gone, you know, you're not going to get back in. But we're just... You know, we're doing painting doors, you know, getting everything shiny, polished. You know, so only so many times you can paint a room and a door. Um, and we're just ready to go. And all my team are looking forward to seeing visitors again. So we've missed them. You know, we're, we're getting a bit bored being on our own. We'd like to see them. Um, with such a historic building, is it easy to adapt to put in some of the safety measures and things that you've had to do? You know, putting screens up in a 900-year-old castle isn't aesthetically um, pleasing, is it? Actually, within the castle, the castle's very airy and there's lots of arrow loops and vented bits. So there's a there's a wind blowing through it. So what we've done, we just have a one-way system. And by restricting the numbers, people can move around, you know, virtually their own pod as they go around. If you look look at our last year's TripAdvisor comments, there's a lot of positive comments of how people felt very safe when they walked around the castle. So, but you know, our shop, our tea room, and our toilets—they're all separate buildings with a, with their own entrance. So, and we restrict numbers into those parts. So there's no congestion. You, you you're not queuing anywhere. You're not jammed into a corner with another hundred people. Our car park that we've got just up the road, that's a big airy space as well. So when you park up, you've got loads of space. The parking bays are wider than normal as well, designed so that people with prams and wheelchairs can get out easily. You've got to walk down the bailey. That's all open. 
So it's all fresh air, it's all out in the open. And um, we've had very good comments in the past, but we're a bit frustrated because we feel that, you know, when all the shops are opening in April, we should be opening too, because I can't see, you know, I think we're safer than any shop, but we just got to do what we're told. So there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. Um, uh, James, I know, you know, there's a lot of people sick of their own cooking, so they're desperate to get back to a, a pub for some decent food. Confidence good and bookings coming in for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we are very positive uh, about uh, the next few months. There is definitely going to be uh, some rebound, obviously, from, from what's happened. But also we're optimistically cautious in that we also have no idea how long we will remain open for if things don't go as planned uh, where the government's interventions and the pandemic are concerned. So I think whilst we're very, very excited about the fact that we have got lots of bookings coming in, we're also just trying to caveat that with, well, what happens if we end up in another lockdown? And, and I think that's really important for a business because, you know, a good example is investing in an outside area in a pub is not a cheap thing offering gas burners that may only be used or may not be used at all because we end up having a similar summer to last summer. It's a lot of expense for, for a pub to, uh, to take on. So we're sort of trying to look at things as, as flexibly as we can, but also looking at those investments on a longer term basis. So, you know, there is nothing wrong with a lot of the British, great British weather, as long as, um, other than a bit of rain it doesn't mean it's cold so if we can design an outside area that's still shall we say uh, an enjoyable experience uh, even with a bit of drizzle then then that's what we're trying to do so it's just about looking at things differently our, our bnb for example we've done something that actually is very covid compliant and it's all everything we do at the moment is all about trying to make the customer feel safe which is obviously what sebastian's just been talking about and we have a breakfast room uh, as most bed and breakfast do but we've actually now we provide a uh, in-room service and it actually allows us to provide a slightly more intimate uh, customer experience than than everyone piling into uh, into a breakfast room so there are always other things to see with these uh, rules and, and and potential threats uh, and so i think ultimately we're we're quite excited about the future i think the, the last thing i would also talk about is like many restaurants and pubs we've set up a takeaway menu and an at-home menu the takeaway being very limited to sort of for example fish and chips so it, it gets cooked literally as you arrive so you're not hanging around for very long whereas we have an at-home menu which is you basically take everything at home bang it in the oven it warms up uh, and you've got a really nice pub meal or restaurant experience meal. But we see that actually as a long-term strategy. We don't see that as something we're just doing now to try and get some money in. And where we're really excited is that if the, if the pub and the uh, coach house, the B&B, uh, start operating at full tilt and beyond, um, we could actually have a whole new revenue line uh, by serving local caravan parks, lodge parks, the at-home menu, who some of the visitors of those facilities will struggle to find restaurant bookings uh, and therefore we can still give them that kind of you're on holiday experience, mum doesn't have to cook, dad doesn't have to wash up, whatever it might be. We can provide it there, and uh, and I think that that's a long-term opportunity for us. So yeah, I think it's uh, interesting times, and, and there's opportunities as well as as threats. 
Yeah, and I think there's a lot of those Michelin-starred chefs' restaurants been offering that at-home dining service and the kind of the higher end of the market. Uh, you know, people have wanted to spend that money. People who might not think twice about spending a couple of hundred pounds on a on a meal out, and they're still happy to spend that. And and um, Mark, I know you're you're kind of targeting the luxury end of the market with your hotel and your restaurant. Presumably, that's not likely to be as affected as if you were running a a cafe or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So we've all had, as, as James said, we've all sort of survived the, the, the year that's gone past, and um, clearly the government's helped us all out, and, and but uh, we've all been hit in one way or another. So there's a, there's a, as James says, there are some threats. There's long-term recovery. We've, we've all got to try and get through it, and the government as, as well as all of us businesses as well. So um, I, I think, I mean, hopefully there's going to be this this big rush of people coming. So I think we'll all we'll all benefit from that. I think the staycation will benefit everybody. I don't, I don't think there's just going to be one one type of menu that will get better than the others. Um, I mean, part of our problem is going to, we're probably going to have a big flush this year. We just need to make sure that, that carries on through future years. So it's uh, we're already seeing a slight struggle with chefs. I mean, James is talking about all the different options for cooking. Trying to find chefs suddenly is, is quite hard work. So hopefully we're, we're going to be having the staff numbers and everybody there to, to service all of these people who are coming. So they'll have a great time and want to come back again for future years as if we can keep keep the rain off their backs and hopefully they'll enjoy themselves, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about how you get them back next year in a minute, Liz. I mean, the confidence we're seeing, Liz, from these uh, these operators is is good. They're pleased. The bookings are coming in. Um, there's a little bit of nervousness about another lockdown if it were to happen, but generally the the confidence in tourism looks better at the moment than it was last year anyway. Yeah, you know, I think we're coming out of lockdown with an understanding. We've got a roadmap. We know what's ahead. Uh, with the different tier structures, it was really hard to juggle that. And we didn't know which area was going into what regulations and how they were going to interact with each other. It, it was very hard to predict, you know, what customers were able to do, where they would, could go, who you were going to get. So one rule for the whole nation is certainly um, a welcome change in, in a positive way. Um, what we are seeing certainly... Um, on, for example, in, in the self-catering market, you know, we've got the families are at last minute bookings. They're, they're still hedging their bets. Um, and I think it's that holiday roulette, who, which international locations are going to be open? How are they going to be open? When can you go? Um, and what are you going to have to do when you get back? So th- those those family destinations, they're still sort of not quite sure, not, not really confident to book yet, so that a lot of reassurance is needed in the communication and marketing to that. Um, our couples' holidays, they're booked out already. Um, we've only got four weeks to still open uh, from the 12th of April through to the end of October. Um, so anybody who hasn't booked already, they're still on the fence and hedging their bets. And it's going to be a very last minute market that we're going to see from that. Um, so reassurance showing that you're part of the Visit Britain, we're good to go campaign. The local travel authorities, whatever they are, it all helps to instill confidence that you're doing the right thing. You're with the right associations. You've got accreditation um, and that you are going to provide a safe environment for them that is still going to be very very key and james talked about um you know being able to offer something a little bit more personal to enhance the experience uh, with with the breakfast service but uh, other things businesses and can do to 
make the experience better where they perhaps can't experience everything that they would normally see at an attraction because some things might not be able to function properly are there ways that people can actually give value yeah that's really interesting because early on last year in one of the webinars when this all kicked off there was one piece of advice that has stayed with me throughout and that was to sanitize the space but not the experience and I think you know you can do that through the communication through that customer service through that interaction and yeah definitely add value rather don't discount you know people have money to spend and don't devalue your brand by doing a discount you're better off adding value to the value that you would have lost out on a discount and give that customer a little bit more that they feel a little bit special. They've got more. They want that experience and they want to go away with something positive. And then it comes down to that review question. Was it value for money? Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, and Mark, you know, some of the facilities you've got obviously are, can't open straight away. So even though some of your accommodation is open before the other things, are you kind of saying, well, sorry, you can't use that facility, so we're going to give you a discount? Yeah, it, it, it is a difficult one. I mean, it, it, we had it in the last um, last year where we, we actually was the other way around. So we were able to open our spa earlier than we can our accommodation, whereas last year it was the other way around. So guests were coming and staying but we're unable to use the spa. Uh, I think as Liz says, you're still offering a, a wonderful service. So it, it, you have to find other ways to show people what you're you're working with them to do the very best you can. I mean, that's all we, we can can really offer. So I think it's explained to guests before they arrived what what the, 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 the issues you're working under, how your staff will be wearing masks or behind screens and what they can and can't do. They're, then they're coming with a clear message as if they turn up and they suddenly find things just saying shut on them. And they, they came under a different concept. That's when you're in trouble. But I think as long as you get the messaging clear to them. And um, we're proud of our kind of Yorkshire hospitality for people visiting the region from from other parts of the country. And Sebastian, I know the times I've been to Skipton Castle, your tour guides are very warm uh, with their welcome. And That's very kind of you. You know, it's a friendly place to visit. Um, can, can you maintain that kind of Yorkshire friendliness when there is a screen between? Oh, we don't have any screens. We, the only screens we have is... In your booking office. Well, we don't have a booking office anymore. That, that's the unusual thing. The booking office has gone. It's disappeared. Um, because you, everything's online, so you can book your car parking and the castle visit at a time that suits you. And when you arrive, our guides that you, you mentioned, they're actually in the gatehouse, out in the open, and they can look on their phone, see your booking, and check you in give you the same personal service as before, but actually they'll even know your name this time. So it's even more personal. And when you arrive, because the visits are spread throughout the day, instead of, you know, when we, when we had just a booking office, people used to all turn up at the same time, usually between 11 and two o'clock. Now they're spread out. So in fact, the guides have more time with you than they did in the past. So you, in a way, you're getting a better experience. There's less people around when you're going around and the guides have more time with you. And so do the people in the, t- the service in the tea room, the shop. They'll have more time for you too. So it's actually got better. So, you know, you know they can use their personality and enjoy their visitor when, when, he, when they come. It works well. James, in a, in a restaurant, I guess, waiting staff would be going and checking at the tables that everything is well can they do that less often? Are you encouraging them to still kind of check on 
people when they're they're at the tables? Well, the singly most important thing is is people's safety, as I said earlier. Uh, so we have uh, very very specific routines uh, that we have to go through. But let's be honest, the whole art of good service is to be able to predict what a customer wants without them actually having to ask for it. And I don't think that changes. And some restaurants get that amazingly well, and some restaurants get it amazingly badly. And I'm sure we've all experienced uh, both sides of the coin. I think for me, it comes back to the fact, as, as everyone else has said on this podcast, is that we've got to all, as businesses, look to improve our customer experience. What we can't do offer what we've offered the previous year and the year before that and the year before that so our biggest focus unsurprisingly is on getting in touch and contacting our existing customers people who have used our bnb and our restaurant uh, before because that is where we're most likely to get a connection with but the quid pro quo of that is if you're going to keep marketing to your existing customers you have to be able to offer them something different Um, because otherwise it's just, oh, well, we've done that before. Um, So what we try to do is to enhance the customer experience at every single opportunity we can, whether that be through uh, upgrading some of the rooms. I think Sebastian was talking about painting rooms and and polishing doorknobs. You know, we needed to have a refresh, so we've done that. We've rebranded as well to kind of reinforce that. But the whole uh, menus are changed. So there's no point trying to serve people the same food that you would typically serve people inside a pub uh, as you would outside a pub. You know, there is there is a difference to be had and 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 some food will deal better in a in a cooler environment and, and some of the other restrictions that we are, are having to deal with. So we've looked at the menu, we've looked at the whole booking process. We've looked at, as you said, the how people are going to interact with customers uh, when they are um, sat there eating, and we've had to look at each part of that process and decide, you know, how we're going to do things differently. So, again, I think these are all potentially long-term improvements rather than just short-term tactics. And and yeah, the ultimate thing is about how we make this last for not just this year, but into future years as well. I mean, I've personally not been abroad for about 15 years and, you know, you can have a great time in the UK. So it's about explaining to those people who might normally go to the Caribbean or go to somewhere else far flung that actually they could stay within North Yorkshire and have just as good a time and save themselves some money, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. We, we were uh, rather fortunate we were on a BBC two program called Amazing Hotels, which which features hotels all around the world, and they very kind of came to to, to feature us. And uh, what what we're able to offer, as you say, is it's all the wonderful activities that we got on site and, and that we can offer around the Yorkshire area, be it anything from fishing, the walking, bird watching, shooting. There's there's, there's uh, going to see all the lovely historical sites we've got, incredible amount of history. So there's there's so much there that you can go and do that that you might not get in other places. So. It's, it's bringing that to people's attention. As James said, I mean, one of the things about COVID is actually people are phoning up and discussing more with you. So you can get across more about what, what you have to offer. So That's interesting. Obviously, people will be searching for places to come and visit in the summer holidays. And so your online and your social media presence is kind of key to that as well, to, to a lot of respects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there, there was, I think we were going to discuss about OTAs and, and bookings. And, and uh, yes, yeah, so for we want as many people to contact us direct and to work from directly and 
and we, we set up our, our sort of guest loyalty programs for people who come direct us to do better. But you, you do have to work with, with the online travel agencies as well, and, and they'll give you exposure and, and can help you. But it's, yeah, it's best to try and use your local personal touch as best you can. Yeah, Liz, we did have a question came in uh, from somebody asking how we encourage people to book directly rather than through the online travel agents. It's about commission, ultimately, that you're not losing some of your booking fee. Are there tricks to encourage people to come to you directly? Absolutely. Um, you know, online travel agents and TripAdvisor, they are, you know, I used to... They're, they're frenemies. You need them, but they are also your enemies. As Mark said, they give you that additional market exposure that you wouldn't normally get. The The good thing is with this pandemic, as uh, I think Mark just said also, that people are calling up and they're asking questions. Now, your online travel agent, they're fickle. The, the, the customers there, they're, they're not loyal necessarily to booking.com or go to, yes, they might get points, but then they're actually ultimately quite fickle uh, of where they book. So in that personal engagement, when they call up, that is the opportunity to say, oh, please do book direct. Um, And if you do, then you get an upgrade or we can offer you something extra. Um, The other trick is also to play the game with them. You know, make sure your offers, your terms and your conditions are to what you want. You can set them. Don't don't do it to their preference. So if you have a long cancellation period, you know, it has to be with before a week of the stay. Um, otherwise, it's not refundable. You know, a, a lot of them might have, and they, with them being fickle, they will have double bookings. They might have an international booking as well as a domestic booking because they're still thinking maybe I can go on holiday, maybe Spain opens up, maybe I can go to Greece um, and they will have their options covered. But, you know, it's about you and your business and you have to protect that. So your terms and conditions can be quite strict to what you want them to do. Um, and the other thing is that if you want to offer a, a different price, you can get them through the door. But once they're then through the door, anything spent on property is an upgrade and it's your revenue. So it might be an upgrade of a room that is available that you can offer them through the door. And that commission doesn't then go to the OTA. You're listening to the Business Support Podcast from Rumbles Radio and Skipton Bid. With us on this edition, we've got Mark Cunliffe-Lister from the Swinton Estate near Massam in North Yorkshire, James Staveley, Group Chairman of Lightwater Holdings, Sebastian Fatterini from Skipton Castle and Skipton Bid's Liz Smales. I just wanted to ask you all as well, you know, it's obviously been quite a long time without customers the last few months. How has the finance situation been in terms of the support you've had and the help you've had? Clearly, there are tourism and hospitality businesses that won't be reopening. You guys have got plans and you've got bookings ahead, which, which you know, is, is reassuring. But has the support been adequate, do you think? So, yes, I mean, Swinton, yes. We, we, last year, we were 50% down on our, our business in terms of all the lockdowns and the restrictions and everything else we had to do. And yes, that that would have been catastrophic for us if, if we hadn't had the government support. So, the government support has definitely helped. I remember at one stage early on last year, I was trying to think uh, what I was going to do with all my staff. Uh, and without the furlough scheme, before that came in, I was planning to build a, perhaps another. We've got a Druid's folly on the estate. I was going to have a, a second Mark's folly or something. They're all going to go out there and do. So, it's it's been yeah, it's, it's saved us. Um, 
but there's a long-term pain in all of that, both as a business where we've got to pay back and, and, and the government and what it's done. So it, it certainly got us through this. Uh, as you say, others may not have made it through, sadly, but uh, it's been tough, but it's, it's we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, I think I would um, just really second what, what Mark has just said. I mean, the pandemic has had a massive impact on all of uh, Lightwater Holdings businesses, uh, not simply its, its leisure and hospitality businesses. Um, but I think within leisure and hospitality specifically, particularly two smallish businesses, you know, an eight bedroom bed and breakfast and uh, quite a large pub, but, but nonetheless a pub. Um, I think they have both been at the absolute worst end uh, of this. And I think without the without the furlough scheme, I think the story could be very different. And, um, you know, we are uh, meant to be a, a country of entrepreneurs, and I'm sure that there will be many people who sadly haven't made it through. But hopefully they will still see the long-term opportunities that... that North Yorkshire and staycation offers. I am like you, Stuart. I actually don't particularly like going abroad. I only go abroad because my wife is obsessed with sunshine. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. I love Great Britain. I love what we have to offer. In fact, I don't think there's any other country in the world that has the diversity of countryside and, and um, experiences that people can have and the history uh, as well. So we see... The long-term uh, trends to be really, really positive. And if anything good can come out of this pandemic, it is that we have another year of staycation where people get hopefully a bit more sunshine uh, than they are expecting and, and perhaps not quite as much as last year, but I'm speaking to a farmer there. You know, this is a chance for people to reconnect with Great Britain. Uh, and, and we have always said as a business that long-term, as the climate gets hotter, as travel becomes more socially unacceptable or long-term, uh, long-distance travel, that there is a huge opportunity here. We have the assets, we have the people, we just need to make sure that the customers prefer what we do than simply going to Spain, Portugal, or wherever that may be. So, you know, we're really excited about it, but ultimately it comes down to making sure that every single customer that comes through our doors is made to feel special and gets the very best possible customer experience. That's just like running any business. Um, but we have these amazing assets to help us do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, but were it not for furlough, just going back to your original question, I think the script could be very different, uh, but I think there's a lot of survivors out there and I think they are very, very determined uh, to, to take full advantage of potentially what's ahead. I think, I think James, covered it really well and mark um yes so, you know i think especially his you know historic buildings that are mainly interior uh attractions um they've been really hit hard and you know skip the castle is one of those i think i think we're saying on the news this morning about edinburgh castle is down 80 percent so i mean imagine 80 percent in a year i mean the problem with buildings, historic buildings like Edinburgh Castle and Skipton Castle, I mean, all our visitor income goes to repairs. So at the end of the year, we, our balance sheet is back to zero. So if we're not getting visitors in, we can't fix walls that are falling down and things like that. So, yeah, so it's been very difficult. I think, like James and Mark said, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for the furlough scheme, it would be very difficult. Um, but thankfully, you know, 
that support's been there and you know our t castle team's ready ready for off so um you know they've been supported and yeah it may take two or three years four years to get us back to normal but you know the castle's been here 900 years and whatever happens you know it, it will work out you know we'll make it work and and like james said i mean i think yorkshire's got an amazing vast amount of different experiences for different people whether you're family wanting a day out or whether you want that special boutique experience visiting a historic place or going fishing you know on a river or by the sea you it really has got everything and with you know with that climate change thing you know you, who wants to go to spain and get burnt twice you know walking up the dales is just amazing you know and with the curlews and the lapwings and you know it's just it is an amazing place and um you know there's a lot to discover so i hope people enjoy it and i hope everyone has a good year uh, and Liz, obviously, you know, there are parts of the sector in, in terms of tourism that will take longer to get back to normal. Coach holidays, you can't see those happening with 52 people sat in close proximity on a bus. And it's not viable to run it with 10 or 12 people on, on, a, on a big coach. So uh, it's not all plain sailing, if you pardon the pun, for the, uh, for the tourism sector. Absolutely, no, and, and for the boating sailing as well. Um, I think every every business has had to pivot and, and rethink how they do their operations and who they are communicating with. Um, you know, there are new markets. I think we, we've all heard from everybody on this panel, there are new opportunities there. Um, and just like the coaches, as you mentioned, that they've got to run at 50% capacity. Um, and they've also got to find new hotels because the hotels have also had to, that they've previously perhaps um, had agreements with. And uh, an example here in Skipton is the Rendezvous Hotel, which was heavily reliant on the coach economy. They have had to go out and find new markets and reposition themselves as a, a very different kind of hotel and experience. You know, and it comes back to that slow travel. But at the same time, there is still a coach culture or or, or whatever segment of travel that, that might have been. There, there is a market that is still engaged and wants that kind of experience. Um, and it's about how you communicate and, and bring that experience and that holiday and to them in a way that is backed as being safe, secure, and they feel confident and reassured that they are in good hands. And at the same time, it's multi-generational now because we haven't been able to spend time with family and friends. Um, so you're going to find that it's not just couples on their own traveling, it's going to be couples and grandparents and the younger children. The whole three generational element is going to come into play now. And also when you look at who was coming to Yorkshire, it was the, the statistics that come out from Visit Britain are visiting friends and family was one of the main reasons to visit Yorkshire. Well, that's still going to be there even more so now because we've been socially distanced for so long. But what you can't do is stay in somebody's house anymore. So that guest room, which has probably been turned into an office anyway, is no longer available. Um, and you're going to be working with that hyper-local market. Your residents are your market right now. And it might be worth considering having a special resident offer so that when friends and family do come to visit, they are your first choice. Um, so there are opportunities and 
certain areas will be coming back slower and different. That's for sure. Everything is going to be different. And there's lots of help out there from organisations like Skipton Bid locally and Welcome to Yorkshire who can help and give you advice and tips and things. Absolutely. You know, um, and we're, we're in contact all the time with Visit Britain or um, just two weeks ago, I was on a, a tourism call and there was Michael Kill, the CEO of the Nighttime Industries Association. It's, it's a full year. They've not even had a staggered opening, if you think of nightclubs, events, um, and the innovation that is being explored from that industry is quite astonishing and it's exciting you know they, they might not be open but they're certainly not asleep and what they're doing behind the scenes and lobbying to make it safe and to work with government is is really quite encouraging. What's the feeling about the support that has been available and continues to be available? For the hospitality you know as we've heard from everybody on the, the panel here there is an enormous passion from the industry, you know, and, and no matter where you are in the world, you do sense that. Um, now, I think in comparison to some of the other countries, and I'm still in contact with my colleagues around the world, the support that the UK government has given is, is quite phenomenal, really. And, and the speed at which it came out, it's not perfect. Nowhere is, nowhere could be in this scenario. But I think now there is a real opportunity for the hospitality in the UK to see it as a career, not a job that you go into. It's not something you do between school and university or in the holidays. Um, there is a career in hospitality and it's an exciting one. And I think we need to harness this opportunity to really market it coming out of that. Um, you know, Mark talked earlier about trying to find a chef, um, of trying to find hotel staff, trying to find restaurant managers. Um, and the training is there, there's the, the apprenticeships, there, there is funding going into that. So I actually think moving forward, it's quite an exciting time for hospitality. Thank you all for coming on. It's been great to catch up with you and uh, good luck with your reopening plans over the next few months. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Cheers. This was a podcast from Skipton Bid and Rombolt Radio, and we've got a couple more episodes still to come. We'll look at business reinvention and managing finances and repaying loans as well. Uh, you can submit a question at romboldsradio.com forward slash Skipton Bid Podcasts, and we'll put it to one of our experts on a future episode. Don't forget to subscribe via your podcast app to get the next episode as soon as it's released. Thank you very much for listening.